welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Hey, good morning, Shakopee Campus. How are we doing this morning? You ready? Man, it is an honor and a complete privilege to be able to bring to you today's message. And uh, I want to tell you that, uh, you know, it's been our, our first few weeks here at the Shockby campus. And it's been an absolute joy to be a part of this house, to be a part of what God is doing here and continue to build off of this. Again, if you are new to River Valley Church, uh, you don't got to be here very long before you are not the new person. Because we believe in reaching the people who are either disenfranchised from church, far from God, whatever your story may be. We want to let you know that this is the place for you. And we are so excited that you have chosen to be with us. And so, in fact, we invite you back. Come be a part of our story as we uh, want to be a part of your story and what God wants to do as we continue to build the church and move the church of Jesus Christ forward. Come on, are you excited for the people who are here here today? Yeah, we want to be your church. We want to be your pastors. You know, it's been, a, it's been a joy to, again, just be a part of this. Uh, we serve an amazing, uh, amazing lead pastors, Pastor Rob and Pastor Becca, who do a, just an amazing uh, work at building the local church. And uh, maybe you don't know this story, but there's been a lot of years, a, a story behind the story, a story behind the highlight reels, if you will, of just faithfulness, obedience, and just constantly working. And almost 25 years in the making of God building the local church here in the South Metro uh, of, of, of Minneapolis-St. Paul. And it's just the joy. And so I want to thank our lead pastors for believing in the next generation. I'm telling you, like, even though I'm, I'm getting a little bit older, I'm not quite old yet, but just a little bit older, like, like, I'm part of the next generation of leaders because when I came into this, I had no business becoming a pastor. And yet we serve a visionary leader that says, hey, uh, we believe that the next generation of church leaders are in our church. So we don't got to look at anyone else. We don't got to go look out because the church of Jesus Christ is being built and the leaders are here. And so I'm thankful for that. And again, you're probably saying, well, well, Pastor Zeus, I'm a little bit older. Like, what does that mean? Do I have a place here? Absolutely. In fact, one of my favorite pieces of conversation that I have when people uh, is, let's just say someone who's older than me. And I say, hey, why, why did you choose to come here? And it says, because I know that I'm a part of something that's going to outlive me. Because when this passes away, when, when, I, when, when God would choose to send me home, I know that the church of Jesus Christ is going to continue forward. And so I want to invest in the next generation. And so let me tell you what, if you're a little bit older, uh, we want to thank you. Thank you for being here. We, we feed off of your wisdom. We feed of, uh, off of what you do for our church. And so come on, can we recognize them as well? Thank you so much. This has been a crazy week for us. Uh, we just, uh, yesterday we finished up uh, closing up our house over in the Lake Minnetonka area. So we're officially Prior Lake uh, residents. So we are here in the community. Uh, but not only that, but this week we, uh, my wife and I, we also celebrated six years of being married. Okay, come on. Hey, I'm thankful for those six years. There you have a picture of us. That is a sigh of relief. Uh, because I did not become another uh, YouTube statistic of the groom passing out on stage. Like I could do fine on stage, but for whatever reason, like that day, I was like, I was shaking. Like I was doing this the whole time. And, uh, and so again, that was just like, we did it. We're done. Uh, let's, let's start off with the rest of our life. But uh, so I'm thankful for you, Tasha. Thank you for riding by me. How many of us know that it's not just about the pastor, but it's about the spouse that is there with the pastor because they enable us, they help us to be able to take the message forward. And so 
again, just super excited for what God is doing. But we're kicking off a new series here on Labor Day weekend. Uh, It's titled Philippians for You. And consider this kind of like the prequel a little bit, right? It's like the story before the story of what we're going to get into in the book of of Philippians, sorry, of Philippians and uh, and what God is going to do through this story. And, And it's really cool because... Uh, if you think of what, what is happening here, the Apostle Paul, who is the New Testament writer of most, most of the New Testament, actually, writes this specific letter to the Church of Philippi. And the Church of Philippi is really like near and dear to his heart. Like uh, some, people, some people, theologians would say that the reason why it's near and dear to his heart is because they stuck up for him when he was in, 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 in the biggest need. In fact, the church was a church for him when he was in prison and locked up. And yet the church of Philippi sent support, sent relief, sent, sent whatever they could to, to the apostle Paul while he was being charged with whatever he was being charged at at the time. And so Paul has a really soft spot for this. And I'm thankful for Paul's soft, soft spot, right? You, if you know his story, you know that he has a past. And yet in the story of coming to Jesus, he humbles himself. He realizes who he becomes, uh, who he can become through Jesus Christ. And he writes a brand new story. And so I'm thankful, again, for men of God in this plume and in this place that are like the Apostle Paul, who maybe come, in this, come here and say, you know what? I'm in the presence of the living God right now. I'm gonna pray. I'm going to worship. I'm going to believe. This doesn't just have to be my wife getting into this, but I am going to lead the way. I'm going to be the tip of the spear. So I'm thankful for men who are secure in that. And so I want to invite you. Maybe you were like me. At first off, I was kind of like this or like this. Hey, at some point it's like this and you're all in and God can do that in your story. But I want to read to you in uh, Philippians chapter uh, one, starting with verse three through six. It says, I thank God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of my making requests with you with joy for your fellowship, uh, for your fellowship of the gospel from the first day until now. And it says this, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a work in you will complete it into the day of Jesus Christ. Can you repeat after me? It's not over. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you're going to do in this place. God, let it not be my words, but your words, God. Let it be about something that we find ourselves coming here and understanding that you don't want us to leave the same, but rather that you want to equip us with the word, with something, something inspirational so that we could take the battle that is out there and win it through the name of Jesus Christ. And so God, help us to receive today. Holy Spirit, move in all of our lives. God, for the first one, from the one who's been here for the, uh, since the beginning to the one who's here for the very first time, God, you can work in all of our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. and amen. Um, when I preach, I like to tell stories about myself because I feel like there's nobody better that can tell a story about myself. Well, maybe my wife, but for me, because I'm a specialist in what I've been able to, uh, what I've been able to experience in my life. And, and one of the things that I love to do is I love, I, I like to start things, but I like to finish things. Anyone like being a finisher? Like, like who likes to, like the instant gratification of finishing things? So for example, let me give you an example. Like I wake up in the morning and the very first thing I love to do is to make my bed. Because even if the rest of the day is a disaster, at least I finished something and I was able to complete something. And so I love to be able to complete things. And, uh, and here's the reality is um, Zeus likes movies. But if you, if, if, if you put on a movie and I'm hanging out with you, if my wife puts on a movie and it's past 9 o'clock, 9.30, chances are I'm a ticking time bomb. It's only a matter of time before I fall asleep. And, uh, and so, again, I cannot stay awake for the life of me past 10 o'clock. However... You put something in my hands that I'm very passionate about, 
All of a sudden, I can stay up very long. So my wife, a few years ago, she gave me a gift, and it's creating these little uh, metal, like, model things. I think we have a picture of it. So, again, just for reference point, uh, that is a stapler, and that whole thing was actually in a flat sheet, and I had to, like, pry it and pick it off and, and create and construct it. Well, let me tell you this. I started this one day at 9, a, uh, at 9 p.m., and I didn't finish it until 3.30 a.m., like I was fixated, like I wanted to finish it. I wanted to complete it because again, I don't like, I don't want to leave this here for later when I can get this done now. And it was funny because Tasha wakes up, it's like, great, you can't stay up for a movie, but you'll stay up to make this little thing. I was like, hey, you got it for me. So, but, um, but here's the reality. I think in the same way, we serve a God who wants to finish the work that, is, that has been started inside of us. That he is unrelentless in the pursuit for of our heart and our spirit that says, hey, like I've started a good work in you and I'm going to finish that good work in you. So even in the moments where you feel like maybe you have nothing to bring or nothing to offer, I can do this for you. I can meet you in your time of need and I can do this for you. You know, our world is fixated on completion and image, right? Like we think of social media, like social media is an amazing tool, but also social media can be a, a, a big crutch for us. And in and social media, we see all these things, whether it's, it's through that or whether it's even shows. Any fixer upper, Chip and Joanna Gaines fans in here? I know they've been off the air for a few. Okay, so the, the, yeah, same like last service, popularity is waning, so they need to do something, figure it out. But, but anyhow, we, we love being able to see what they do, right? Like if you watch the story, they take old houses, they refurbish them, they, re, they, they remodel them, and they do something. And, and one of the greatest satisfactions as a viewer is to see the old product and they get to the finished product. And so that happens a lot in our lives. But the world tells us that unless it's been put together or unless it's complete, then it's not valuable or worthy of likes. And yet Simon Conley, who is a, who is a uh, hotel entrepreneur out in San, uh, uh, in San Francisco, says this. And I thought this is really good because I think we got to take our focus from not just the finished product of what we can do for ourselves, but be able to measure the things that maybe we can't measure. So, for example, it says, he says this, we try to manage that what we can measure. Because results are good, numbers are good, but sometimes there's a difference between the tangible and the intangible. The intangible being this, it's being incapable of being perceived by the sense of touch, it's impalpable. How many of us know that sometimes we cannot, we cannot physically touch the, the move of God, but we can feel the move of God in us? And those are the things that we sometimes, we, we discredit because, well, I can't touch it, so then, therefore it must not exist. And yet God says, no, 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 it is through that that I'm using uh, the spirit of God to finish the work that I have started in you. So if you come to me, if you come to Jesus, if you come to the spirit, I will see it to completion. Albert Einstein says this as well, and I thought this was good, and I'm not going to argue with Albert Einstein. But it says, uh, not everything that can be counted counts, and not everything that counts can be counted. Right? I mean, that, that, that is so true. And sometimes... We fixate ourselves on only what we can be counted. And yet what God says to us, what God says, hey, you know what? You don't have to always focus on that. Those things are good and they can me they're measurables and all that. That's good. But what I want you to know is I want you to know what really is valuable and what really matters. And for, for, for Paul in this story, one of the things that was valuable for him was the community that he was experiencing through the church of Philippi. And so that's what matters also in our church. In our church, we love and we value relationships. In fact, if you call this place your home, I would encourage you this fall, get involved in some capacity. Get involved with life teams. Get involved with serving. Get involved with, with life groups. If you have kids, get them involved in junior Bible quiz. Get them involved in GoCore. If you have youth students, any youth students in the house really quick, come on. 
Yeah, right over here. Awesome. Get, you know, uh, help them, encourage them. If you have youth in your, in your house, get them here on a Wednesday. But not only that, but don't stop short. We have things for adults. Again, like, like uh, Pastor Morgan says, we have Explore, we have Freedom, we have Alpha, we have Sisterhood. We have just a bunch of things that we want you to be a part of because here's the reality. When you get in a relationship, you get to go places where you never thought you'd ever can go to. Because now your miracles is not just in what you can do alone, but what you can do through a community of people in your life that says, hey, when you're weak, I could be strong because God is working in my life. So let my overflow spill onto you if you have nothing else to give. And so God says he wants to give us something. And so what we need to be reminded is if, if, we, if we have each other together, we have our eyes set on Jesus. And that is our common goal, to keep our eyes fixated on Jesus, to say, hey, we're going to open the circle. We're going to allow more people to come and be a part of this. And we're going to make, make this a place of refuge, right? Not to make this a place, uh, a museum where it's just a bunch of relics of people who, who feel like they're perfect, but a place, a hospital where people come and say, hey, I'm broken. There's something inside of that I'm looking for. And yet something is drawing me here. And we say, hey, we got the answer. We got Jesus Christ. And it's the presence of Jesus Christ. Um, I think Scott Grant says this, and this is the power of partnership, which I think is, is really good because, again, there's strength and common goal. But Scott Grant says this, a little lengthy, so follow me here. When you partner together to advance the gospel, this spark you felt that maybe you could love better becomes a flame. When you're working side by side with people in the greatest human endeavor, you find yourself in the foxhole with others in the war to advance the gospel. And then you find the need to, uh, you, you, you find what, that you need each other. You can't do it alone. You won't do it alone. And it's not fun to do it alone. You need others to do what you can't do. And you need others to support you and pray for you. Finding that you need each other. Your hearts become open to each other. You share. You get to know one another. You feel like you've been through this thing together. And the great gospel adventure inspires and nurtures the relationship that we want. And here's what I'm saying to you. Is that we need to fight and crave community. We need to like get, go against it because have you ever known that person who's been alone, has been isolated? Pastor Rob talked about this a few weeks ago where it's like the sit-ins, right? Like there's something that is dangerous about being isolated. And yet the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about inclusivity. It's all about being in a relationship. It's all about an invitation to say, hey, let's get together. Let's do this. The communion, what we just did, it was all about community there as well. And so we got to be able to share that because at the end of the day, we don't want to do it alone because we surround each other. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, author, and finisher, perfecter of our faith. The answer is Jesus. The answer has always been Jesus. And yet here we are, which says, you know what? We want to give an opportunity. In fact, whether, whether we give an opportunity at the end of service, I want to let you know that our prayer teams are always ready to receive people to say, you know what? I'm done trying to do this alone. I'm done trying to do this on my own or by my own power. Hey, I want to receive Jesus. Our prayer teams are ready and willing to be able to pray for you. So I would encourage you, fight to get to the front. If, the, if everyone's going the other way, just sit in your seats until it clears out, but then come up forward. But again, our prayer teams want to... Uh, want to pray with you and they want to believe with you because what he has started, what has he started in your life? Because this is a question, is it? What has he started in your life and what are you waiting for him to finish? What are you still believing for? Ask yourself, like, am I still believing for my marriage? Like there's something going on in my marriage and, and we just can't seem to figure it out. And, 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 and I know that God has, has promised good things. And yet what God wants to say, he's not finished 
in your marriage. But God wants to say he's not finished with your kids. If you have a, a child, a son, a daughter, whatever it may be, and they've gone away from Jesus, I want to let you know that he's not finished with your son, with your daughter, or the people that you're believing for. He is not finished with your job. He's not finished with your health. He's not finished with your talents. He's not finished with your calling. But listen to me here. I love that sometimes we can get so eager to want to be able to complete things. Again, you're talking to a person who loves to complete things. But there are moments in our lives where it says, no, 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 Zeus, you're trying to do my work right now. What you need to be mindful of is, a, is, is the, the piece of scripture where it says that some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. And I love that when that happens, all of a sudden the edge is off a little bit, right? Because all I got to do is I got to run the race, play my part, because ultimately I know that God... Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they're the real finishers. And we fix our eyes on that. And so we play our part because here's the other tragedy in this. is that sometimes we will come to church and we will see this. And we will think, well, if I go to church, it's my get out of, get, get out of jail free card, right? And yet what God wants to remind us, what the Spirit is reminding us, is that coming to Jesus is not a matter of transaction, it is a matter of a transformation in the heart, spirit, and the soul. God says, hey, come to me and I will change things, but let me work it out. Let me work through you because I can do immeasurably and abundantly more, but you got to lean into me. You cannot do this on your own. So God is not a genie. And so we have to be ready to be able to steward all that God puts in our hands. We do. I mean, I think of just uh, countless stories and accounts. Uh, here at Ch uh, River Valley, we believe in our SOAP reading plan. It's a Bible uh, reading plan, and uh, it's incredible. If you've never been a part of it, download the River Valley Church app. Go by the Welcome Center, grab a bookmark. But basically, we encourage people to get in your word. Get in your word and get to know some of these stories because there's a lot to be, uh, there's a lot to be said in those stories and what God can reveal in our lives. But here's what I found really significant about how people stewarded what God gave them. For example, David had a staff and he had a rock. Joseph, had, Joseph and Mary had a child. Jesus had a cross and a crown. Abraham, Abraham had a promise. Noah had a vision. Esther had influence. Samuel had an appointment. And Paul had a testimony. Come on, are you, are you thankful that you have a God who rewrites your story that puts significance behind your testimony? Like, yeah. I'm telling you, like, I, I, I am the least qualified person to be on this stage right now. I am. Like I remember early on in my faith journey where my pastor, his name is John Brooks, he comes to me and he's like, Zeus, I think there's a call of ministry on your life. I said, Pastor John, man, hey, I'm flattered. That is awesome. That is good. But Pastor John, I told you my story. You know what I've been through. You know what I've done. I've given you that. And he's like, well, let me ask you a question. Have you been reading your word? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, have you seen what God has done through people in the Bible where he used the disenfranchised? He used the outcasts and God did an amazing thing. And so again, you might be in this place and say, I don't belong in this place. I'm gonna burn up if I go to church, you know? Let me tell you this, God is rewriting your story. God is using your testimony and it's not over. It is not over. So it's not about us just reducing it to a task, but again, it's, it's saying, God, I know you wanna transform my mind, my heart and my spirit. Jesus and his power did not come to make bad people good or to make good people better, but he came to make dead people alive. And let me tell you what, church, he did that for me. 
Like he did that for me. Like I remember, I remember it was January 14th, 2007, Sunday night service. I'm sitting there, pastor gives an invitation. And, and this was like, this is old school Pentecostalism, right? Like, like, hey, if you want to receive Jesus, you better come down to the front. Like, let me tell you what, like everyone's looking. Like you want to ever be like super self-conscious? Like, oh, there's Zeus. He's coming to Jesus right now. But here's the thing. God did something amazing in my heart. That was a stake in the ground moment because I knew God wanted to transform me. See, because there is a thief out there in John chapter 10, 10, it says the thief does not come to come, but to accept to steal, kill and to destroy. But Jesus says, I come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Here's the other trap too as well. The other trap is that sometimes we'll like, we'll come to church, right? Like we'll do the thing and we'll be, we'll be a part of this. But, but we feel like if I come to church and I give my life to Jesus, like God's gonna like take away things in my life. Can I give you a, a, something honest? He is gonna take away things in your life. But here's the reality. He's also gonna substitute it and give you with something more permanent, something more life-giving, something that is gonna lift you up and give you a significance of substance to your life. But you gotta be willing to say, God, I'm willing to part way with some of the things that maybe are not good for me. I'm willing to part way with some relationships and friendships that are not good for me. I'm willing to part away with some extracurricular activities that do not have a place in my life. And Jesus says, if you do so those things, guess what? I will help you, I will be with you, and I will give you more and abundant life because I came to give you life. Come on, are you thankful for a God who gives us life? Come on. So imagine if we considered this truth that it's still not over. I love movies. Anyone else like movies? I'm gonna show you a picture real quick. This is one of my favorite movies. Anyone know who this is up here? For those of you who were born after 1990, this is Back to the Future. But uh, no, this is Back to the Future, and this is uh, Marty McFly and Dr. Emmett Brown. And Marty McFly, when he got on that hoverboard, it was game over. He was forever one of my heroes. And uh, Marty here and Dr. Emmett Brown are uh, in this DeLorean, which is a time machine. And by accident, Marty finds himself actually in the time machine, and he goes back in time. And here's the reality is now there's some challenges of him trying to get back to his time. And so what he does is he enlists a younger doctor, Doc, and, uh, and he goes and says, hey, you got to help me. And ultimately, that sets out a mission where Doc says, hey, I have the ability and the power, the, know, the, the, the brains to help you to get you back. And they get fixated. And all they need to do, they're fixated and trying to get Marty to get back to where he needs to be. Can I tell you that? More than just Doc, but we serve a God, again, who is infinite and says, I'm trying to get you back to where you need to be. I'm trying to set course and course correct some things in your life so you can kind of, you can get back to where you need to be so that you can follow and live the life abundantly that I've given you. So again, not to be defined by your past, not to be defined by your circumstance, not be de defined by your talents, your looks, whatever it may be, but say, but to be defined by the blood and the lamb and the word of the testimony, to go at that. And so God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit is more infinite. He is sovereign. And he is there. And so will we stop allowing the world to determine our process and begin to lean into the finisher of our faith? Philippians chapter one, verse through six, it says, being confident. Again, here it says, <laughs> here's what I like this. It doesn't say being like unsure. It doesn't say being like kind of sure. It doesn't say like maybe kind of being okay with it, but it says, hey, be confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So although Paul himself was unable to be in the church of Philippi, he was confident of their ability and, their, and his endurance in Jesus Christ. Because here's the reality too. 
Because Paul was on to something. Paul knew that the church of Philippi was not perfect. Paul knew that they had, they had things in their lives that they needed to work out. But here's the thing. Paul also knew where, their, where his assurance of faith came from. Paul also knew who the finisher and perfecter and the author of the faith was. So even though you might not think this, you might not know what this might look like for you, but listen to me. As a pastor in your life, I'm in your corner. As a team in your life, we are in your corner. We're saying, hey, we, you might not have it all put together, but guess what? We've seen God do amazing things. And if we can lean in, if we can give it our all, guess what? You can have life and life abundantly, but you got to want it. Paul was not phased by sin. He knew they were not perfect, but he was confident. He was firm. He was steadfast. He was unshakable. And, he, and, and God won't be turned aside by difficulties of any kind. Not by your time, not by the circumstances, not by family, not by abilities, not by money, not by looks, none of that. In fact, it says this. The Bible makes this clear, not verbatim, but the Bible ma- makes these themes clear. It says what is incomplete will be made complete. What is unfinished will be finished. What is lacking will be made full. What is partial will be made whole. What is less than enough will be more than adequate. What is broken will be fixed. What is hurt will be healed. What is weak will be made strong. What is temporary will be made perfect. Come on, church, it's not over. He will make it permanent. And he's working that out in our lives. One of my favorite life verses is Acts chapter 20, verse 24. It's a verse that means a lot to me. Because as Pastor Morgan said, it's like, I'm like, I am, all gas, no brakes. Hey, we bring the fuel, God brings the fire. But I, I, I live my life knowing that there is great calling, not just really in me, but on all of us. In the scripture verse, like one day when God would choose to take me home, I want to be known, hopefully by, by living this out and being an example of this. But it's Acts chapter 20, verse 24 says, but my life. It's worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. I want to finish that of which God has put in my heart. And I want to partner with God as he is my Lord, as Jesus is my Savior, to be able to see that and see that come. And I'm thankful for a God who completes what he starts. God can only finish the things in the life that he has started. So what have you started in your life? All right? Like, what have you started in your life that maybe you need to stop doing and make room, for start to, uh, make room for God to start doing something? I told you already, for some of us, we have to change some of the things that we do, some of the things that we watch, some of the things that we listen to, some of the people that we hang out with. Because the reality is the stakes are high, let me tell you. Because our relationship was never just meant to be for us. But that relationship was to radiate and to be conduits to what Jesus is doing in our lives and to take the message of Jesus Christ forward. See, because Jesus, if he is our example, and if the sanctification process of becoming more like Jesus is true, which I believe it is, then we have to know what's at stake. And the stake is life and death for people. It is a matter of people going to hell or going to heaven. And I don't know about you, but I refuse to sit in church and just believe that it's just about what I can get, but rather what God can do through me so that others can find the message of Jesus Christ. Because as God said to me, as as Pastor John said to me, he's like, Zeus, your story is not over, man. Your story is not over. 
And so once we're focused on God's mission, here's the other the real beauty about this, is the pressure's off. Because no, we know that it's God's responsibility to complete things and not just ours. Like, think about that, right? Like, sometimes we put so much like, oh, it's got to be on me. Like, it's only going to happen by me. But if we choose to get out of the way and say, God, I've done everything I possibly could. God, in this, you got you to show up. And those are the moments that says, man, I love it. Well done, good and faithful servant. I want to give you more. I want to do more. The pressure's off. So if you're feeling the pressure to do God's work, then maybe it's not his work that you're doing. It's your own work that you're doing. I want to show you a picture of someone who means a lot to me. This is my brother there. He's on my, my left. That's my dad. Uh, this is just past summer. But uh, my brother is one of my best friends. And my brother means a lot to me. He's four years younger than me. He lives out in San Diego now. And um, just an amazing, amazing guy. Like, if you don't like my brother, there's something severely wrong with you. <laughs> but my brother, um, uh, he was one of the f- only people because, again, I'm basically a first-generation Christian. I am, and uh, I knew that God called me to be water baptized just a month after I gave my life to Jesus, and, and I was, uh, growing up Catholic, it was, a, it was a hurdle for my parents for them to do that, and so they rejected me essentially at that point, and they're more understanding now, but um, my brother's like, man, if you believe in this, I'm with you in this, I'll ride with you, I'll do this, let's do this, and he was there, he sat there in that, in that service, and he watched me go public with my faith. But the thing about that is I, I was one of the, I'm a V, my last name's a v, v, so I was one of the last people to go through water baptism. So I come back and I'm like, I come back to my chair and I'm like, he's gone. Like, oh my goodness, we scared him away, great. Well, little did I know that he was down at the altar giving his life to Jesus. Now, I wish I could tell you that the story was there, ended there, but um, he went to college, he went on his own path and, and maybe in my heart, I thought maybe Jesus is a, an afterthought in his life now. Maybe it's not a big deal. And a few years ago when I was out in San Diego, we're driving to LA and uh, naturally he was driving. So I was the DJ. I had all the tunes and it was, I was using his phone and, you know, he had a lot of hip hop. He had a lot of R&B on there, a little, little pop music. And all of a sudden I strolled, scrolled down and I'm like, Hillsong? Like this kind of sticks out, bro. Like what, why is Hillsong in this? And, and and here's the, here's the reality. For those of you who do not know who Still Hill Song is, they, they're an influential church, global church, and we sing a lot of their songs on a weekend. They do amazing work. And, and I said, buddy, like, why, why is this? He's like, because when life gets chaotic and life gets crazy, I feel like I can go back to this and it gives me peace. Church, can I tell you that? The, the, those Hill Song, they're singing about Jesus. And so when I thought it was finished for my brother, when I thought that it was over, God reminded me, Zeus, it is not over. In fact, you continue to do your part. You, and I will do my part. But listen to me, it's not just up to you. I'm still working in his life. So whatever it is that you're believing for, whatever it is that you want so desperately in your life, I want that for you as well. Align it with God and let's, let, let's see what God can do with this. Here's the other reality is, it's my second week here, but I am confident of this. That he who started a good work here at the Shakopee campus, it is not over. In fact, there is more to what God wants to do. I want to tear down this wall. I want to open up this room. I want to make more room for people because people are looking for the answer and they need us to be able to bring it to them. 
It is not over for them. It is not over for this campus. It is not over for this church. It is not over for your story. It is not over for your marriage. It is not over for your kids. It is not over for your health. It is not over for your job. It is not over for your circumstances. Come on, man, like I'm passionate about this. And I will give you everything I got every single week. But all I ask of you is that you would come and you would give Jesus everything you got every single week. Our goal is not completeness. Our goal is to create conditions where He can complete. It's not over. Say it with me. It's not over. One more time. It's not over. Come on, a little louder. It's not over. It's not. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for all that you're doing in this place. God, I, I pray that it would not just be about fancy rhetoric or lights or, or rooms, but God, that it would be about literally experiencing the, the moment that we come to you in your presence where you do an amazing work inside of us. It is not by our own power, by our own might, but God, I am thankful that and I'm confident that you will carry it out into completion. God, it is not over and we're just getting started in Jesus' name.